Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Hi. What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio on a Monday night. And as you can tell by the truncated version of the intro, this is a breaking news edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, joined by Grant Ramey from the Go Vols uh, 24-7 Blunt County Satellite Office, I think is what we're, we're still going to call that, the Blunt County Satellite Office down there in Maryville, Tennessee. We got some big, big news for Tennessee basketball. And Grant, uh, I'll give you the honors. Uh, why are we having this breaking news podcast? Eve Pons is back. He has withdrawn his name from the 2020 NBA draft uh, pool, and he's coming back to Tennessee for his senior season after um, he didn't completely go to the 11.59 p.m. deadline uh, on Monday, but he did kind of wait around until after practice Monday evening after there's some interesting reporting going on about the situation and tweets and deleted tweets and second phrase tweets and you know all the fun stuff that goes along with it but at the end of the day he's coming back he announced it made it official on his, uh, on social media so huge huge uh, news for Tennessee basketball that's what they really needed uh, and they got it yeah and I heard from a, a couple people uh, I know in the NBA who uh, you know scouting type people people who work in organizations uh, and they had they had told me that that uh, one of them said it pretty boldly the other one said it less confidently but both of them uh, two of them, anyways, believe that he would come back to Tennessee uh, because he would not have minded going, and I still think it would have been his preference to go. Uh, but uh, after kind of ju- judging the situation, looking back objectively, uh, I think he made what he felt like was the best decision. And, and I know that even as of Monday, he was still kind of not sure earlier in the day. But, you know, Grant, when you look at this objectively, um, the, and there were good arguments, decent arguments for him to go ahead and, and go and, and get the money he could, if not uh, in, in the NBA, then in the, the G League or possibly over in Europe, back to his native France, go to Spain, uh, other places like that where he could still make a good living playing basketball. He's, he's, a, he's a guy who's married, uh, he wants to have a family. I mean, you know, it makes sense. He's a mature kid. It, it wouldn't have been the worst decision in the world. But I think when you look at it objectively, you have to say he, he made the right decision for himself, right? Uh, yeah, it just kind of depends on what side of the argument you fall on. If, if you think the kid should go make some money and get paid, then you'd probably side with he should have left. If you think he should come back and uh, be part of a roster that basically with, with this news becomes one of the teams to beat in the SEC, if not the team to beat, according to whoever you listen to, uh, if, if you believe that you're going to fall on the side of the argument that he should have stayed. So I can understand why the decision wasn't made until uh, Monday after. And it wasn't, it, I mean, I talked to people Saturday morning, uh, Sunday through the day, Monday morning, there was no decision made when Sean Farnham tweeted stuff about Eve coming back uh, earlier in the day, Monday afternoon and ended up deleting that tweet. Tennessee basketball players and coaches were on the floor 
Pratt Pavilion. So they got back to their phones to a lot of messages and mixed calls trying to figure out what was exactly going on here. And even after that, uh, after that practice had wrapped up, this was probably 4.30 or so uh, Monday afternoon, there was still no decision that the you know, coaching staff was aware of, at least, that others in the building were aware of. So uh, it, it came down to it. I guess he was leaning that way because it was his agent putting that info, information out there for some of the national uh, college basketball guys. And uh, he went that way. It's really good news for Tennessee. It, it makes them one of the teams to beat in the SEC for sure. Yeah, and, and possibly even more than that. You know, I mean, you're, you're talking about a guy who um, I think has improved throughout his career at Tennessee. He, he was given a much bigger role last season. And I wouldn't say he consistently flourished in that role, but at times he was really, really, really good in that role. And defensively, you know what you're going to get from him just about every time you, you lace him up and go out there on the court. I mean, you, you could make an argument, and I don't think it'd be, it would be much of a stretch. You could make an argument that he might be the best defensive player in college basketball. There are lots of people who believe that he is – I mean, everyone knows he's one of the best athletes in college basketball. That's pretty obvious just when you when you watch the guy play. But kind of the way that he anticipates things defensively, uh, the way that he uses that quickness and that uh, those instincts to kind of get around the rim and make things happen, uh, causes deflections, uh, affects shots. Really kind of you can see there's times where people are afraid to go into the paint against him because they'll go ahead and kick it out because they don't want, don't want that shot thrown back into their face. So this is a guy who – uh, we'll see how much he grows offensively, but we know that potential is there. Uh, how much of it he fulfills, we'll see, Grant, but the potential on offense is there. But what you know, just going into every game now, is that you have a guy who, if he's healthy, you got a defensive stopper on the floor. Yeah, you have. I think this coaching staff 100% believes he's the best defender uh, in college basketball. And when you talk to them about it, they reference how uh, a couple years ago it was his job to shut down John Petty after John Petty had absolutely gone off against Tennessee in the previous meeting. And then last year, obviously John Petty, he's a guard. He plays on the wing. He's a really hard guy to stop. Yes. And then last year, uh, a lot of the times he would be banging against the five in the post to take off a little bit of physical pressure from John Fulkerson, who obviously he's not built like Eve. He didn't have the, uh, the wherewithal to kind of be able to go down there and that toughness and be able to do that for 40 minutes. So that's the kind of versatility. Uh, he's been on point guards too in his Tennessee career. Uh, when he was a sophomore, I believe it was, it was his job a lot of times to start out on the point guard and just try to disrupt the point guard's play. Uh, so that's the versatility uh, that's there, the athletic ability, the quickness, the strength he has, the leaping ability. I mean, he's a freak athlete. But, yeah, on the offensive end, I mean, go back to Kansas, what he did uh, uh, at Kansas in January. It was like, who is this guy? Yeah. Uh, I think he had like 20-something points, and he just was scoring in different ways. It was almost like Kansas was daring Eve to beat them, and he was almost – had Tennessee beating Kansas uh, at Kansas. And, and you go to back to Rupp Arena and what he did in the second half of that game, the number of big shots he's hit, that little turnaround he's got in the lane, the way he's more comfortable in the three-point line. He's got to become a better ball handler. Yes, uh, He's got to become more comfortable on that end when he's not shooting or when he's not doing something on the defensive end, kind of filling the cracks a little bit with his game. But uh, if he keeps growing at the rate that he growed uh, the last couple of years, he's going to be – uh, he's going to climb a lot of draft boards a year from now. Yeah, and it's not necessarily that, that he needs to be a creator because he, he, he doesn't he, – he, he can get away without being, you know, a big creator on the offensive end. But what he needs to be is a guy who can at least maybe create more for himself, use that athleticism right. that he has. Uh, you know, and, and Rick Barnes says this all the time, that when Pons gets the ball, he should feel like there is no one – 
in the college game who can stop him from getting to the rim when he wants to get to the rim. He ought to be able to do that just about all the time if he would just go do that. And you could tell like games like Kansas when he really took the initiative to Kansas, when he was in the mood to go out there and do that, it's hard to stop that guy from getting around the rim and making plays happen. It's hard to stop him from doing that. He just has to want to do that. And and while he doesn't necessarily need to be a great creator, he does need to be a more competent ball handler. Uh, you right. watch that in, on film, and you can see that from a million miles away. It, it's really sort of, a, I think, kind of a just an exaggerated version of some of the issues that Schofield had at Tennessee in terms of kind of you, you watch the ball, and you're not always comfortable when he's trying to do some things with the ball because he doesn't look like he's being really tight with the ball while he's doing it. Uh, in fact, with, with Schofield, he would be too loose. I think with with Pond, sometimes he's just too tight. And he's got to get the ball in and out, move the thing in the flow. He understands the game. He's gotten so much better at understanding spacing and understanding the game, what he needs to do. Um, but I'll never forget, granted, it was, one, it was after a game last season. I don't know if it was Alabama or, or where it was, um, but – it was a moment where it was after kind of Barnes press conference had was done. And a couple of us were just sitting there talking to him like we do sometimes after games. And he was just talking about how, you know, Eve is a French guy, but, but he almost seems kind of German or robotic at times where he just feels like this is my assignment. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do anything other than this. And that if he would just go out there and see the game and see the floor and be confident, there's a lot more he could do if he would just kind of, you know, get a little bit, get a little bit more unwound. Uh, you know, he's just kind of wound Relaxed really tight. Yeah, just relax. That's a good way to put it. Um, but if he gives Tennessee exactly what he did last season, that's great. This is great news for Tennessee. If he does even more than that, it's even better than great news. It's outstanding news for Tennessee. My question now is, how much does this impact? In terms of the newcomers coming in, when you look at possible rotations, you look at combinations. What I think, Grant, and I, I want to hear much more what you have to think about this, I think this just gives Tennessee a ridiculous number of options because you can play Eve Ponds anywhere from the three to the five. And you can play you can play a murder ball lineup with him at the five and, and Josiah Jordan James at the four, and that team can get up the floor up and down in a hurry and make a lot of things happen and score, you know, aim for 90, 100 points a game. If you wanted to play that style, of course, you've also got Fulkerson, all SEC player. Uh, you got all these uh, guys that are coming in who are good players. You got Victor Bailey jumping to the mix, and he's a guy who I don't think nearly enough people are talking about as a guy who's almost as physical as Pons, just for the way he's built. So, uh, what does this do for Tennessee, sort of rotation wise or minutes wise? And, and does this mean it's going to be harder for some of those touted freshmen to, to go out there and, and prove their, the, you know, prove themselves as guys who can get twenty plus minutes a game? When they got EJ Anasicki earlier in the offseason as a grad transfer out of Sacred Heart, you know, the guy that averaged double doubles, he's, he's listed at 6'7, 245. When they got him, it was like, this is just the guy they needed last season. They needed that kind of body in the post. And then when you started looking forward to this season and you try to factor in what's it going to look like with Eve or what, what's it going to look like without Eve, they would have EJ to help fill that void, but you'd still need a body like Eve you would need that kind of guy. So having both of those guys in the mix moving forward, uh, I think it does huge things for you in the post. I think it changes everything at the four uh, because it makes EJ a guy that can be a really good player coming off the bench. Uh, or if he does start, Eve Ponds could be a six man. I mean, there's a lot of, like you said, a lot of uh, different options with this lineup. And you know Rick Barnes is going to toy with it and mess with it uh, for the length of the season. 
but it adds a body there in the post that they really needed. If you start Eve and Fulke and bring EJ off the bench, and then you go to Urosh and Olivier, um, that's really good. If you start EJ and Fulke and bring Eve off the bench, that's spectacular. And then you have Olivier and Urosh. You didn't really want to rely too much on Urosh and Olivier just based on what you saw last year. It looked like they needed more time. And I think it adds a lot of, uh, a lot of depth on the wing because – uh, you mentioned Josiah at the four. I think he would have had to do that a little bit more to give them size without Eve yep. uh, in terms of depth down low. Now he can spend more time on the wing, the three, the two, whatever. Uh, he can be a point guard if he has to be. Uh, there's a lot of depth in the backcourt now. There's a little added depth on the wing, and there's another really, really talented body in the post. So I think it changes a ton uh, from top to bottom on the Tennessee basketball roster. Makes it that much deeper, that much more athletic. Uh, it's like, you know, it's, it's like getting a really good recruit and adding that to the mix. Uh, you just brought back, a, you know, the defending SEC Defensive Player of the Year, a guy that blocked 73 shots last season, a guy that can guard one through five, and he's growing on the offensive end. So it's huge for Tennessee. And uh, now hopefully they just have a basketball season and we actually get to see what happens. That's a good point. That's a really good point. The the, la- the last thing that, that I want to talk about, Granted, and, and, you know, we, we've sort of mentioned this, a little bit just now, but I I really want to double down on this. I think Rick Barnes wants to play defense a certain way. Everything that he wants to do now, he likes putting the ball in the basket. He likes scoring points, uh, but he wants to build things around being just an absolute force defensively. They could not play defense the way he wanted to play defense last season. They could not do what they did when they had Bone and Turner there to guard, face guard the opposing point guard for 94 feet everywhere he goes, harass him, make nothing easy. They, they, they could not do some of that stuff last year because they, they didn't have the bodies to do it. They didn't have the depth to do it. They didn't have the proven depth to do it after everything they'd lost the previous year. With Ponds coming back now – and you bring Bailey into the mix too, without question now, they can play defense the way Rick Barnes wants Tennessee to play defense. And if they do that, they become a team that you just absolutely do not want to play because they can throw bodies at you in waves for 40 minutes and they have options that they can not only defend you the way they want to defend you for 40 minutes, they can also tinker with their offensive rotation and play a completely different style of basketball. They can go uh, completely, they can go enormous with the lineup or they can go, you know, smaller, quicker, a lot of length, a lot of athleticism. They can play fast. They can play slow. They can go man. They can go zone. They can press you. They can do a lot of things now on both ends of the floor. And I don't think people understand. I think, I think do, I don't want to say they don't. I'll, I'll give people credit for this. I think people do understand this, but having pawns back, having that sort of a Swiss army knife, when you're trying to be sort of a versatile kind of, you know, program where you can play in different styles, the more pieces like that that you have, the easier it is to do that. And having pawns is like having a Swiss army knife. It just, it can bail you out of a lot of situations. And now this guy's played a lot of basketball. So you throw that on top of it, I mean, there's a reason why people are this excited about this team, I think, Grant. Yeah, I mean, this goes back to March, uh, you know, 10, 10 or so days after the season was canceled. Um, one comparison for, uh, for this roster for me was made was the 2017-18 team in terms of defensive potential. Mm-hmm. That team was the one that, you know, kind of got Tennessee back on the map a little bit. They shared the SEC regular season title. They did everything. They weren't that great of an offensive team. They had a young Grant Williams. They had a 
young Admiral Schofield. Um, they just kind of did what they did on the offensive end. They did enough. But that was a really good defensive team. Uh, that was the kind of the more of the brand of defense they wanted to play, and I think that's where they felt that they kind of built that foundation. And, and I think this team can be better than that team was defensively uh, because of Victor Bailey. People have raved about his defensive kind of mindset and kind of compared him a little bit to a, a Lamonte Turner in terms of how he wants to get after people. Jaden Springer, he's 6'4", 200 pounds. You think he can't handle – I mean, he's physically built to handle uh, the load on the defensive end. Keon Johnson, uh, those are two five-star guards. Keon's one of the best two-way guards probably in the country yes. in that 2020 class. Uh, his explosiveness, his athletic ability, his versatility on the defensive end. I mean, you just go down the list. Eve, you don't have to talk about Eve's defense because everybody knows what he brings to the table and how good he is there. John Fulkerson, he's not the best defender in the world, but he's going to draw as many fouls uh, on both ends of the floor. I mean, he's yes. as frustrating uh, a defender as he is a guy to try to guard on the other end of the floor. So, I mean, just the potential there. Devontae Gaines, what he showed as a defender, as a freshman, if he can continue to grow that uh, his length and athleticism, what he can do on the wing. He's a frustrating guy to go against. Uh, the defensive potential is certainly there for this to be a really, really good team and to carry the team, even though they have a lot of stuff on offense going on at the same time. That's a scary thought to end on, Grant, because you just mentioned uh, that was the first time Ticket Gaines has come up in this podcast. It's now almost 17 minutes long. and that's I mean, we, fr- didn't, we didn't mention Corey Walker, a four-star forward, yes. who's a top 80 player who's the first person in that 2020 class. And we, we just glossed over him when we're talking forwards because <laughs> there's a lot of people to talk about. Yes. And, and, and the thing about Gaines is that, you know, I had a scout tell me last year that the Gaines had some of the best hands that he'd ever seen on a young wing defender period. And, and that, that opened my eyes when he said that last season, that's a guy that we didn't even mention until we we're 17 minutes into this thing. So yeah, I think that gives you sort of an idea of what's uh what's going on with that program right now and how Tennessee was going to be okay, uh, just fine without Pons, but adding him back into the mix, man, it's uh, – you're right, Grant. If there is a season, this is me knocking on wood, guys. Uh, if they can have a season, uh, then uh, this looks like it could be a fun one for the Vols. Got anything else, buddy? Save March Madness. Do whatever you have to do. Save March Madness. I think that's a good that's a good way to end it. Thanks, buddy. See ya. Guys, thanks for tuning in. As always, you can find all of us on social media, Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter, Grant Ramey on Twitter, P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter, and Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. You can also go to twitter.com slash govols247 if you want just Tennessee news, or you can go to facebook.com slash govols247 for mostly uh, Tennessee news. we got a lot of stuff on that Facebook page all of the time. You can also go directly to the source uh, right there, that delicious East Tennessee Mountain Spring Water. Get that right there at govols247.com got a 50% off deal right now that you can go take advantage of. Go do that. Or if you want to pay us the full price, which is still really reasonable, if you do that, you get free access to CBS All Access, which is CBS's streaming platform, which has everything in the CBS catalog, Comedy Central catalog, uh, the MTV catalog, the Smithsonian catalog, everything. All the shows, commercial-free, live sports. you got UEFA Champions League coming up this weekend. Uh, That's going to be exciting. That right now, not next year, right now, this year, uh, it's already gone ahead and gone on to CBS All Access, so you can get it there. Uh, You can also uh, get, uh, you know, when it comes back, you get college basketball there. You get live SEC football, NFL football, March Madness, World Series of Poker stuff, everything. Everything is on there. Go check it out. It's a really cool platform. It's got a cool interface. And that's a $100 plus annual value for free that we're going to put in your pocket if you just subscribe to go boss 24 7 that's a pretty good deal lastly please go rate and review this podcast hit that subscribe button wherever you're getting it apple podcast spotify uh, 
wherever wherever you're getting it, everywhere, Stitcher, TuneIn, everywhere that you get podcasts, you can get this one. Please hit the subscribe button. Please rate and review this podcast. And if nothing else, uh, you'll hear from us on Tuesday morning with a football recruiting podcast. And then you'll hear from us again, I suppose, on Thursday. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.